Church home, welcome to Miami. Whether you know this or not, church home, I am standing here in VU Church, which you had a part in helping start years ago. And I got to tell you, church home, it is amazing to be with our relatives and our cousins here at VU Church. And uh, I just decided to preach a brand new series live from Miami. Um, dare I say, I decided to take my talents to South Beach. Okay, so here we go. You're like, <laughs> tough crowd here, man. Tough. I got more of those. Okay, this is exciting. Oh, man, I love Jimmy Butler, it should be noted. One of my favorite athletes of all athletes, and I love Miami, and I love the heat. <clears throat> I love it. It's super balmy. Anyways, okay, <laughs> I love you guys. Okay, so the, the title of, of part two here is Separate and Sad, Separate and Sad. I, I want to show you, whether knowingly or unknowingly, how you can separate aspects, dimensions, categories, spaces, places, and parts of your own life, and it will produce actually complication, and in most cases, a sense of sadness. Now, I don't think I need to spend much time on this, so I won't. I did it in part one. But to say that we are living in sad days is an insult to your intelligence, isn't it? I would like to simply suggest for your consideration that technology is not necessarily playing the best possible role in our sadness. We are currently aware and made aware, sometimes not even by our own choosing, but by picking up the technological device, whether we turn them on or off or not, it seems like notifications find a way on the front screen to tell us more trauma, more tragedy, more loss, more pain, and I am not minimizing any single one of those traumas and tragedies. I'm simply suggesting the fact that you and I are exposed and knowing about so many and what seems like all of the national, international tragedies are served up on our technological device, I would like to suggest we were not built to be the savior of the world, but sometimes when it comes to the information that we're inundating us, we are being treated as if we are. And to say that we're exhausted is laughable. Fatigue at a profound level is seemingly settling over each and every one of our lives, our mornings, our afternoons, and evenings. I almost feel guilty, as I'm sure you're, you do at times, for enjoying a barbecue, for instance. I almost feel guilty sometimes for texting someone, today's been a good day. Are you like me? I feel guilty sometimes having a day off. A day off when people are dying, people are try struggling to gain a full breath of oxygen. I literally have a friend as I speak right now who will not be let out of the hospital until her oxygen levels are up. We're, we're actually praying by the hour. She's been a lifelong friend of ours. She, she worked with us. We've known her for 25 years. We were together just a few weeks ago, and now she is stuck in a hospital and, and, and is just trying to get enough oxygen so she can get back to her normal life. This nothing about this is normal. Now, if you're not struggling 
with sadness, if you're not struggling with guilt, if you're not struggling with the sensations of being overwhelmed or inundated, um, what planet have you been on? Right? Or you're a drone. Like, dude, that's like not a drone. Or you're like a, a robot, like a drone. Like, I'm a little flying thing in the air. Like, what? I think I meant like, you know, like a, like a robot. What's the other term? A droid? A cyborg? A droid? Guys, I don't know. I don't know if I was looking for droid. I don't know. I don't know. You're a remote control little car? No, I don't think so. You know, I don't know. But it's a, it's, it's, it's a robot. You know, you're an artificial intelligence. AI, like that's what we're going with. The point is, all of us are in this together, aren't we? It's very difficult. And on top of that, for those of us following Jesus, I think we are also confronted theologically. In other words, where's God in all this? What's God doing in all this? What's God's plan in all this? And if I could say this, our theology, which is our view of God, is naked and bare right now. You're starting to discover what we really believe. Have you noticed? You can really, I mean, you put some pressure on, add some pain, add some international trauma, and boy, you really start to find out what people think. Is it just me, or is everybody so opinionated? But that's what pain does. We search and grasp and grope for answers. Well, this happened. Come on, parents. You know what I'm talking about. You know, you, come on, parents. You're raising, I'm raising teenagers, 17, 14, 12. You know what I'm doing right now. It's called comparing myself to other parents, especially parents who've already raised their kids, and I think maybe some of their kids aren't great. And so I look at those parents, and I go, well, they didn't do this, so I'm going to do this, so I don't do what they did, so they don't have the kids that they had. And, this, and, and, and if parents know anything, is that at the end of the day, these are human beings you cannot control. And the results of your babies, I have handed over to the Lord. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, this is hard work. But you know what we do, right? We walk, well, you know, they, the reason they're sick is because they don't have enough faith. Well, see, they got COVID because... Well, you know, if our church was a little more, well, I know what I think, and I'm meaning, I, in fact, I'm going to email Rich. I'm gonna, excuse me, Pastor Rich. I'm going to email him. I'm going to let him know. I got up church home. You know it's true. I got up and told our church I was vaccinated. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know it would divide the church down the middle, and we'd receive emails. I was like, should I tell him I was vaccinated as a baby, too? Would that just push everybody over the edge? I didn't know. I didn't know. I really didn't. I've run into church members different places and they're like, Pastor, I can't believe you're wearing a mask. And I'm like, uh, okay. And then I've been places and I got people walking by going, Pastor, I can't believe you are not wearing a mask. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> right? Like, I know about as much as you do. Okay, and when I first heard Delta variant, I was like, is that a new plane in the Delta fleet? <laughs> I really did. As God is my witness, I was like, now Delta does have some nice new planes. <laughs> and someone's like, are you serious? I'm like, what? They're like, homie, it's like, it's like more virus. I'm like, oh, dang, right? Like, 
And I'm really glad somebody told me before I stood on the stage and was like, now nah, I heard about these new planes. You know, like, Judah, grow up. I'm trying. I'm trying, okay? But like, this is, this is over my head. Like, there's a reason I'm not running for president, ladies and gentlemen. There is a reason. There's not enough money in the world, okay? Like, this is way, David's, King David said, I do not concern myself with things too wonderful for me. So I mean no offense to anybody here today or anyone watching, but unless you're gonna run for president, maybe we could focus more on, I don't know, like eating better, loving our neighbor, and quit pretending like we the president. That's what I, that wouldn't be a bad thing, would it? Well, you know, if I was president, well, that would never happen. So we can stop that sentence right now. But you know what you are? The president of your day, the president of your home. Like, just like, let's just like work within the confines of what's been given to our care. So forgive me, but I, you know, I'm just like, I'm, I'm the local church pastor who tells the story of Jesus. Judah, what do you think we should do with the country? I don't know. <laughs> if you put me on, 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 like, on, on stand and said, what are all the states? You know I would forget North and South Dakota. You know I would, I would, I would. I'd be like New York, Paris, <laughs> Athens, Miami, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, come on, man. Like, I can't even spell all the states. So now I don't know exactly what we should do, okay? And that's not what I'm here to talk about. What I am here to talk about is in these unprecedented times, how is it affecting our faith? What's going on in our soul? And I think what's going on is we're, we're, we like the perception of control, the illusion of control. So we're now attempting to try to control our faith journey, to control our theology, to control the outcome, to the, control the results. And so we tell ourselves every day that if I'll do something different, my kids will be better. My business will be blessed. I won't get sick. My, my babies will be protected. My marriage will work because I've done it God's way. But the Bible says, when it starts to rain and everybody goes outside, it rains on church home and VU church members, just like it rains on people who hate church. Like it just rains on everybody, everybody gets wet. So the, 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 this, this is this thing called life. We're not here today trying to be exempt from life via Jesus. No, we're here to focus again on the most important thing in life, and that's a relationship with the designer, architect, and creator of heaven and earth. To know him, to enjoy him, to be loved by him, right? So, so I want to show you why things in your faith have gotten way too hard, way too difficult. Isn't this a great series? This whole series is set up, Church Home, Blue Church, this whole series is set up to help you not make your Christianity so difficult. Because to be honest, it's helping our story, it's hurting our story internationally. We have colluded with our own cultures. We have colluded with our own countries to produce a version and a caricature of Christianity that may not be necessarily what Jesus modeled or intended. And I want to speak to that 
for a moment. Now, 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 it should be noted that this book is unusual, supernatural, and is, is probably the, the most unprecedented possession we have on earth. But it should be noted that this is not a book that you just open up and everything makes sense, as if God makes sense. So we got to stop telling people, like, man, just open up your Bible. Open up your Bible and be totally confused. Now, I'm for opening your Bible. I'm literally about to speak from it. So I hope that that's proof. But, but you can't expect people, you know, listen, I'm for all the movements, and I won't name them, that put Bibles all over the world and give out Bibles. But I'm going to tell you, most of my friends, most of my friends, I got some friends coming tonight that don't know Jesus, okay? Most of my friends are like, yo, man, do you mind if I just come hear you explain it? Because when I read it, especially the old part, how old is the old part, right? Like... <laughs> so I'm going to show you that you can't just read John 15 and assume you know what it's about. Okay? And, 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 and John 15 starts like this. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Now, that's an interesting metaphor if you consider, and I'm going to pick up where we left off last service. It's, it's interesting because I have vines. I have vines at my house. I've walked, I've walked by vines, I would say I was I was gonna say I went wine tasting, but that will offend everybody. But I did quit drinking recently, which hopefully that's also encouraging to you. But anyways, things pastors should never say. I went watching people wine tasting, anyways, and I seen vines. You know what I never heard from a vine? And I asked the winemaker. What are the vines doing? Oh, they're pumping out grapes. Said no one ever. Because you know what vines do? They were designed to organically, seemingly, oh, there is effort, but seemingly effortless. The vine works like a, like a vine. Now, this is frustrating because Jesus says our relationship is a lot like a vine, grapes, branches. And when he says branches, I mean, there's not really branches on vines, but extensions of the vines. He said, listen, I'm the vine, you're the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relationship will be intimate, organic. The harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood. You can be sure that whatever you ask, it'll be, I, I, I will listen to it and I will be, I will act upon it. This is how my father shows who he is when you produce grapes, when you make, when you mature as my disciples. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Well, this, this, is, this, is, this isn't working. I don't know, is this working for you? Because see, I live in America. So what this scripture in John 15 should say is I'm the coach and you're the player. That's what I've learned. Isn't, isn't Jesus the coach? And we're the player. Are you like me? You know those coaches when they win the championship at the end, the coach is like, he's holding the trophy. Are you like me? I'm like, hey, coach. Hey, coach. We appreciate you. We really do. But can LeBron have the mic? Sorry. Can Dwayne Wade have the mic? Oh, now you clap. They both won you championships, Miami. Don't forget. All right, can I? You know what I mean? Like, coach. That sounds a lot like Christianity. Well, you know, it wasn't me, it was the Lord. You, nah, I know, it was the coach, but it was you. You were on the field. You were making the moves. It was you. And part of us kind of goes, 
That's kind of true, actually. <laughs> My kids are great, right? Yeah, well, I was a, a wise father. My podcast is big. Well, my content is full of integrity when it comes to the interpretation and hermeneutics of Holy Scripture. And that's why God has blessed my podcast. We are silly. It doesn't say coach and player. It says vine and branches. Here's my question. Where does the vine stop and the branch begin that's the vine and that's the that's still the vine so where's the branch well it's a little bit further from the vine what's further from the vine it's just all right I have no idea exactly Exactly, Paul said, I labored more abundantly than you all, yet not I. But it was the grace of God through me that gave me the energy to do what I did. When did Jesus... Oh, that was Sunday. We don't have that on the West Coast. Beam me up, Seattle. You know, like, what in the world? The whole house just shook here in Miami, and nobody moved a muscle. I landed this morning, and I was driving by the beach. You know, I could see the beach, and, and, and all there was lightning and thunder. Big old lights, like, just crazy. My dad used to say, God's moving furniture, you know. And nobody in the car said a thing. In Seattle, we would pull over like that old movie, Twister, and we'd be like, it's over. You guys treat it like it's like a sunrise or something. It's like... You guys are like, oh. <laughs> it's weird, man. You guys are desensitized. <laughs> Ever since LeBron left. I'm kidding. It's not about that. It's not about LeBron leaving. Oh, man. That was wild. Well, I love you guys, man. Thanks for everything. You know, like, <laughs> that's it, you know. So, he says, and I, I'm going to take the next 12 minutes and be done. He says, separate, you can do nothing. Okay? Now, um, I don't have time to get into all of the nuances, but I, wanna, I just want to read a couple things to you, which are going to be really important. Again, this is interpretation. Now, one of the most important things to understand in Scripture is Scripture always interprets Scripture. Scripture always interprets Scripture. Scripture always interprets Scripture. You can't not do eisegesis. Eisegesis is to take one verse, build a whole doctrine around it, even when other verses don't say that. So verses have to be congruent, and, and, and they, 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 it's called context. It's really important. Now, it says um, in verse five, 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and are burned. Now, insert intense Christians. That's right. If you don't abide in him, he will cut you out. He will cut you off. Which translation, here's what we preach. If you don't do right, if you don't think right, if you don't speak right, if you don't attend church right, if you don't give enough money right, if you don't do all the things right, you know what God will do? He will cut you off, and we become like every other belief system in the world. And we're wondering why we're frustrated. Can I suggest for those of you who've decided you're going to follow Jesus in your own power, your life would be easier if you didn't try to follow Jesus at all. 
And that's, not, that's what we're not telling nobody. We're not telling anybody like, oh yeah, you follow Jesus by your own deeds and your own efforts and your own passions and your own desires and your own drives. And you know what you'll be? You'll be more tired than when you started. And the only thing you will be able to cling to is that your performance makes you better than others. And you know what'll happen? Everyone in your neighborhood will be like, you're annoying. (laughs) And we feel like you're one walking protest of everything. And what we need is a neighbor to love us. But if everything is what we do and how we do it, how we walk around and why do I do this? Well, because if I don't do it, he'll cut me off. So I'm going to do everything right. Why don't you stop cussing? Why don't you stop smoking? Why don't you stop drinking and join God's army? What do you guys get into at your church? It's called the good news. What's so good about it? If you're good enough, God will use you. That sounds like my football coach. Great point. If you're good enough, you'll get in the starting lineup. You know who's in the starting lineup? People on the platform. And we joke and we laugh. But in a lot of ways, the constructs of what we're doing has become that. It's like, man, I want to be in the starting lineup. So how do I do that? Well, you do what the coach says and you practice every day and you work hard. And then Jesus says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. And all of our theology is wrecked. We're like, so you need to abide in me. So that's, that's where we get the word abide. And we're like, that's it. That's it. That's it. See, abiding is doing all the right things. If not, we get cut off. But wait a minute. Look at verse 2. Same chapter. Luke 15, verse 2 says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may become more. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. Every branch in me. Um, 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 one translation says, every branch of me. Every branch in me. Every branch of me. Which is to say, You will cut yourself off if you profess Jesus, but try to be your own Jesus. Here's where the sermon's going today, just to be encouraged. If you're broken, addicted, have secret sin you don't want to tell anyone about, you're in perfect position to experience the love of Jesus, forgiveness of Jesus, and life of Jesus. (laughs) Isn't this great? That's where we're going. That's where the sermon's going to end. Just wait. Seven minutes and 23 seconds. That's where we're going to end. What I'm true is I'm trying to strip away all the things that you think is why God blesses you and loves you. Because none of it's true. <laughs> he said, the branches that are in me that don't bear fruit aren't in me. They're already cut off. This is not a message about people searching and seeking Jesus. This is a message to religious people who have turned in the grace of God into performance-based religion. He says, you can produce nothing in terms of salvation. That doesn't mean you can't produce anything in your life without Jesus. 
God's still giving you a, a magical brain. Who knows even how it works? Gifts and abilities, whether you believe in Jesus or not, you have them. This scripture never teaches that if you don't have Jesus, you can't do anything. It means if you don't have Jesus, you can't do anything in terms of saving yourself. That's the message. So I wanna be clear as we talk about separation, we're actually not talking about people that don't know Jesus. We're talking about Jesus, people who say, I know Jesus, but they don't access Jesus as their savior. They seek to be their own. The Bible says you're separated. You're dead. Not, not that you're not loved. Look, I can prove it to you. John 14 and verse 31 says, now come with me. He says, now come with me. So the, the chapter right before this chapter, Jesus says, now come on. If he was trying to cut you off, he wouldn't have invited you before this passage. He's like, come on with me. Come with me. Not with your traditions, not with your morals, not with your man-made standards that you think makes you better than others. Just come with me. Just come with me. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. I'll show you how to take a real rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Just come with me. Work with me. So this message is not about people who don't know Jesus and never know Jesus and they'll be cut off. This message is primarily to you and me who've decided to pursue Jesus, and yet by pursuing Jesus, we've assumed that we have got to save ourselves as if you could and that's why you're so tired you wonderful Christian you you've turned this whole thing into religion and you've told yourself today that because you're in church or because you do this or because you do that God's going to extra you see what I'm saying so 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 here's we here we go he says if we can go back to John 15 guys he says I'm the vine, you're the branches. He says, separate from me, you can do nothing. And, 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 and here's, here's three things we tell ourselves that cause separation. Do you know what separation is? Do you know the symptom of separating an aspect, a part of your life from God? Do you know some of you have addictions and you've submitted everything to God's care except your addiction because you're ashamed and embarrassed? And the thing that you don't want to give to God should be the first thing you give to him. Yeah, it is actually so good. And I totally agree with that wonderful woman who said that. It is, this is called the good news. It's literally called the good news. So, so, so here's, here's the symptom of separation. Stress. Striving. Now, now, if in fact that is true, if I had a show of hands, how many of you are stressed and striving? If 50% of us didn't raise our hands, we wouldn't be humans. So anything where you're feeling stress and striving, you're trying to save it yourself. I'm being so serious. Here's the three things we tell ourselves so we stress and we strive. Number one, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about this. He cares about all the big stuff. He doesn't care about this. He doesn't care about my job. My job doesn't matter. God doesn't care about my water bill. He doesn't care. If he cared, he'd do something. So I can tell he can't. He doesn't care. So he doesn't care. You know, Mark chapter 7 and verse 13 says, the traditions of men make the word of God of no effect. It literally means you void the commandment of God. The word void in the Amplified Bible literally means it does not apply. You tell yourself the scripture doesn't apply to this area based on your experiences and how you determine whether or not God cares. And so you assume God doesn't care. So in the political system right now, the reason we won't give the political system to God and we're trying to take it for ourselves and we're so divisive right now, we put our faith in Democrats or Republicans is because we actually are not sure that God cares. 
cares. I am here to say that God cares about you. See, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse, or 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 says, casting all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you, because he cares for you. Now, I'm going to go on record and say God doesn't care about all the constructs that humans have made. So be careful now. He cares about, I hate to tell you this, but God's not blue or red. He's about people. So there are some constructs that directly we feel God doesn't care about. Anytime you feel like there's something that God doesn't care about, step back and ask yourself, should you care about it the way you care about it? Because maybe God cares about wild, man, isn't it? You really think about it. So he doesn't care. He doesn't care. See, if you can lead yourself to believe he doesn't care about that area, then it's all up to you. I love this because it says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Oh man, oh man, oh man, I'm trying, I'm trying to land this plane. I'm trying so fast. 40 minutes, 40 minutes. Okay, here we go. Ready? I'm categorizing, I'm minimizing. Okay, here we go. It doesn't say cast what you care about. It says cast what you care about and you don't think he cares about on him because he cares about it. He cares about you. He cares about you. So people are like, does God care that I'm wearing Zara today? No, yes, he cares about you. He cares about you. You care about clothes? God cares about clothes. He cares about you. It's good theology. Now what we do is we take what we think he doesn't care about, that thing, only that thing. The other stuff you can give him, but you know he can Take the one thing you don't think he cares about or is disgusted about or is upset about or is angry about or is going to judge you for. Take that one thing to God. And Peter says... Throw it at him. Throw it at him. It doesn't sound like our Father who art in heaven, that'll be that in the kingdom come. No, it doesn't sound like that. It doesn't sound like that. You just got to give it to him. God, I'm broken. I don't feel like you care. I need to know that you care. God sent me to tell you today, church, he cares. He cares. He cares. He cares. He cares. His eye is on the sparrow how much more he clothes the flowers and the lilies of the valley who are here today gone tomorrow he cares uh, how much more value are you of them he cares he cares about the hairs on your head he cares about the job that you keep cares about the neighbors that you have cares about the clothes on your back cares about the secret in your heart cares about the addiction you can't break cares about the addiction that haunted your grandfather and your father and now haunts you he is well aware of what you're going through. He's well aware of what you're facing. And I'm here to announce he cares for you. He doesn't, he doesn't care the band's coming completely on the stage because I'm completely almost done. He cares. He cares for you. He, he cares. He cares for you. He he cares. I, the second thing we tell ourselves to be, to, to separate whatever it is that we're going through is, I, I can't trust him. 
I can't trust him, which goes partner to the last one we tell ourselves, which is I don't understand. I can't trust him because I don't understand. I can't see my future and I don't understand. I don't understand. And oh God, help us now, help us. Because everybody in the position that I have right now, all these preachers are trying to tell you things you were never meant to understand. There are things I'm not supposed to tell you to understand because the Bible doesn't tell me to understand. There are bad things that happen to good people. There are good things that happen to bad people. Good people die bad people live. There are mysteries all around us, and it is not my job as your preacher, nor is it Pastor Rich or Pastor DC's job to tell you so you can understand it all. There is much mystery. There is much mystery. There are things beyond our wildest imaginations and comprehensions. We know less about the ocean than we do about the space. Are we not finite? Is our life not a vapor? Are we not dust to dust, ashes to ashes? This job, this life, this experience is not about you understanding it all. Who said you have to understand it all? Who said you have to understand parenting to be a parent? Who said you have to understand love to actually love somebody? Who said you have to understand eternity to believe it's true and to believe it's so? I don't understand. I said, I don't understand. I said, I can't see my future, but I know the one who holds my future. Forgive me for admitting, I don't know what to do. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know about the Delta variant, but what I do know is he who started a good work in me and started a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He is the author. He is the finisher. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He is the lily of the valley. He is the lion and the lamb. He is the righteous one. He is the trustworthy one. He is the true one. Hey! Doesn't the Bible say in Proverbs chapter 5, stop leaning on your own understanding. Oh, I wish I had two hours to preach about how your understanding keeps getting in the way of trusting. Look, look what Corey Tinboom said. We're about to sing. Look what Corey. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. When a train goes through a tunnel and it goes dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and you trust the engineer. I said, you sit still and you trust the engineer. So it reminds me of the scripture: "Be still." Be still, be still, be still and know that I am God. Something tells me when I'm not still, when I should be still, it's because I'm still trying to be my own savior. But when I'm still, I'm reminded I am not the deliverer. I am not the healer. I am not the provider. I am not the strong one. I am not the champion. It's not who I am. Just as broken as the next guy. Never be afraid to trust God in the unknown. Corey Timboom said, never be afraid to trust God in the unknown because he is a known God. I'm 42 years old. I know I look so young. 42. Shut up. 42. And I know less today than I've ever known about this thing called life. 
lean to your own understanding. But Judah, in every category and space and place of your life, from addiction to triumph, I want you to acknowledge me in every one of your ways. God, you're here. And God, you're here. And God, you're here. You're with me in public. You're with me in private. You're with me personally. You're with me professionally. You're with me internally. You're with me externally. In all your ways. And so, and so, I promised Pastor Rich in my text that I wouldn't go over. And so I'm done. <laughs> Here's the antidote. Here's the antidote to separation. Here's the antidote to stress, which is the symptom of separation. We separate portions and spaces and places of our life from God, and we think that we can do it, and we wonder why we're stressed and we're worried. You're trying to parent. You're trying to be the Jesus of your kids. You're trying to be the Jesus of your spouse. You're trying to be the Jesus of your business. You're trying to be the Jesus, and there already is one. So here's what I've learned. And I learned this from the disciples in the boat. I learned this from the disciples in the dungeon. And I learned this from the disciples in the upper room. When you're scared and when you're soaking wet from a storm, do you know what I have learned to do? I've learned the most powerful time to worship him is when I'm soaking wet from the storm. The most powerful time to worship him and sing to him is when I'm scared. So here's what I would like to suggest. You take that one area of your life for the next few moments. You take that one area and you put it before God in your mind and you put it before God in your soul and you worship him in spite of the challenge, in spite of the pain, in spite of the addiction, in spite of the fragility, in spite of the brokenness. That's what we're going to do and let it be known from coast to coast and let it be known from continent to continent and let it be known from country to country for those Jesus worshipers and those Jesus followers. We are just as broken and blind as anybody else, but I'm telling you when the tough get going, we get worshiping. He's our source. He's our strength. Jesus is enough. Come on, Boo Church. One time, let's lift up our voice and let's worship the King of Kings.